Now the words I speak and the words we hear be your words of life to us, our God. Amen. Jesus was done. He had finished offering his block of teaching, teaching a new way of seeing the kingdom of God at work, using stories about seeds. We heard the last two last week. A story about seeds that grow even when we pay them no attention and we don't know how they grow. And mustard seeds that grow where they're intended and where they're not welcome. He'd been teaching and healing non-stop. Even his family were worried and tried to take him away. And Jesus just needs some time out. So he says, let's go to the other side. And he goes back and goes to sleep. He trusts them. They're experienced, some of them. Experienced fishermen. They know what they're doing. They're used to handling fishing boats in all conditions. They're able to look for the changing weather and to go to safety when they need to. But they get caught out. This storm comes very fast. And is savage. So savage. Blasting down the valley, out of the hills of Lebanon, intensifying as it comes. The Greek used to describe the storm indicates that this is much more than just bad weather. The word used is similar to you to that used to describe the demonic. And Jesus lives in a world where everything is controlled by spirits. And these are really bad spirits at work here. Mark uses language that links this story with others where Jesus is confronted with spirits that seek to deprive life, the spirits of death. Jesus and the evil spirit at Capernaum in chapter 1. Jesus healing the demoniac on the other side of the lake straight after the story, and several others. And so, this is not just bad weather. This is a demonic storm, and it is hammering this boat and the other boats that are there. And the disciples begin to lose control. They panic. They freeze. And in their panic, they wake Jesus demanding, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? I wonder when we have felt like that. There's no shortage of storms in our world. There's today's weather. But there's the spirits that seek to bring death, and they are at work even when we wouldn't use that language. COVID-19 still swamps the world. The effects of climate change in this country, the housing shortage and inequality. And no doubt you can name your own storms. And the community that Mark was writing for lived through their own existential storm. The Jewish rebellion and the eventual destruction of the temple, the slaughter and enslavement of hundreds of thousands of Jews that led to a crisis both within Judaism and the little Jewish sect we now call Christianity. 
this little sect was now finding itself increasingly cast out, persecuted by the Romans as agnostic. This story and Mark's gospel is written to a people who are being swamped, and they too are calling out, Jesus, don't you care if we drown? And to all these storms, Jesus simply says, Silence, be still, or as other translations put it, Peace, be still. And the wind and the waves are stilled. And then Jesus turns to us and all who hear the story and says, Why are you frightened? Don't you have faith? Don't you trust yet? So for me, all kinds of questions arise out of this. Questions like, how can Jesus be asleep in a raging storm? And it does really seem like he doesn't care in the story. Does he really not care? And why doesn't Jesus stop all the storms today like he stopped that one? And when Jesus says, why are you frightened? Don't you have faith yet? What does he mean by that? As I talked about last week, Mark's community was at a crossroads. They were in the middle of a storm and they were trying to work out who they were in the midst of that storm. The anchor point of the temple was gone with all the slaughter and slavery that went with that. They were no longer welcomed within Judaism and the Romans treated them with contempt. They were agnostics. And because they didn't believe in any of the Roman gods. And in the midst of all of that, they had to work out what the kingdom of God was. What did the reign of God mean in the midst of all of that? Did they just blend in with the Roman society and disappear? Did they join the revolution and die for the cause? Or was it something else? What was the reign of God? For Mark, the reign of God was always about defeating the powers of death, freeing people to thrive in God. The Gospel in Mark is about setting people free to live lives in the light and love of God. How do we do that in the midst of our storms? Over the last few weeks I've been reading a book by Franciscan friar Murray Bodo. Uh, some of you might have heard of Richard Raw. He's a contemporary of Richard Raw's. And the book is Surrounded by Love, Seven Teachings from St. Francis. And in it he quote Pope Francis's encyclical, Laudate Si. So uh, Laudate Si is the first encyclical that Pope Francis wrote on his, 
So the first encyclical he put out, most of it was written by um, Benedict and his uh, curia, so he just kind of put, a, put his flavour on that. Laudate Si was the first one that came from Francis, and it's about the care of creation, and it came out in 2016. It's the only one that's free, so you can get it uh, anywhere on a PDF, or you can listen to it. All the others you have to pay money for. And in Laudate Si, uh, Pope Francis talks about how some, how Saint Francis shows us how just how inseparable the bond is between concern for nature, justice for the poor, commitment to society, and inner peace. And using Pope Francis's work, Bodo goes on to describe the inner inner peace to describe inner peace as an awareness that God is and that God dwells in all creation. Inner peace is an awareness that God is and that God dwells in all creation. And he says the other three flow from this awareness, this inner peace. And he goes on to describe how this awareness is knowing that all that is outside the interrelated life of the Trinity has its beginning in God. And that the interrelated love within God creates all that is, including this world and us. Or to put it in the ways that we've been talking about using the Trinity over the last few weeks, the relationship within the Trinity is a relationship of mutuality and care and compassion, of co co completeness, completeness, shalom. And we might summarize all of that as love. And in that love, all was created. And in that love, all is held. And when we are aware that all is created and all is held, in this love that is mutuality and generosity and compassion, then we know inner peace. So the peace Jesus speaks of is not a trust that God will fix everything, that nothing bad will happen, because really bad stuff does happen to really good, faithful people. But it is a trust that God is. It's a trust that God dwells in all creation and holds all creation in love. And so for Jesus, it meant that he was held in love in the midst of that storm and the storms that were to come. And for his hearers, it was an invitation for us to know that we are held in love in the midst of our storms. So at some level, when I hear this story, and when I hear Jesus say those words, peace be still, those words are as much to us as they are to the storm. And while the storm was quietened, so too were the disciples. They too were invited to be at peace, to be silent, to be still. In the storms that continued to circle the Markham community, they too were invited to be at peace, to be silent, to be still. In the midst of our storms, 
and there are many storms, we too are invited to be at peace, to be still, to know that God is, and that God dwells in all creation, holds all creation in love, holds us in love, in the midst of the storm. So what words do you hear in your storms as you listen to the story? Does this story help you to live in the midst of your storms? And if so, how?